You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? Don't you remember? Do you still not understand? This is the fun part. This is the rebuke. You say, that's a strong word. Okay, call it an admonition, whatever you want to call it. Jesus expected them to be further along in their understanding. As a new believer, you're still a baby Christian. Your understanding of God and His Word is just starting out. Your faith is tender and new. Yet, as Pastor Danny will teach today, you need to grow up in your faith. God doesn't want to leave you as a baby. He wants you to mature and become a believer with a strong and thriving faith. You must humbly seek the Lord through prayer and in His Word in order to mature. A life of faith is a lifetime journey that takes time to mature. But the more you desire to grow, the closer to God you become. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Mark, chapter 8, as he continues his message, Spiritual Growth and Understanding. is not always somebody who's made a commitment to Christ, like these guys who had left everything to follow him. That's pretty good commitment. And then gone back, reneged, and gone back to the old lifestyle. Sometimes a hard heart is somebody who, well, they've committed to Christ, but in all of us, me included, in our natural selves, sometimes we just don't get it. Sometimes we're just clueless, even when we shouldn't be. He's taught us something. He thinks we got it. We don't got it. We should be moving on, and we're not moving on. Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many basketfuls did you pick up? They start to think. Twelve. And when I broke the seven loaves, just happened for the 4,000. How many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They said, seven. And he said, do you still not understand? It's a fascinating study for me. When you compare the feeding in Mark 6 and the feeding here, there's some things that if you really get into it, um, you learn some things. There's some teaching here. I think it's really exciting teaching. For example, the crowd in Mark 6 is a Jewish crowd. The crowd here, if you've been paying attention, this is the area of the Decapolis. This is the 10 cities. This is a Greek area. This is primarily Gentiles. There's some Jews scattered, but it's primarily Gentile. So this is primarily a Gentile crowd. So the Mark 6 account, you got a Jewish crowd here, you got a Gentile crowd. That's important.
the words used. And here's where Bible programs that can allow you to take your mouse and click on and find out the Greek or the Hebrew word can be very helpful. Because the Greek word used in Mark 6 for the 12 baskets of leftovers, it's the word kofanos. And I don't usually try to wow you with Greek because I don't know Greek. Why would I wow you with it? And some people just throw out the Greek or trying to just impress you to seem intellectual. But sometimes just saying the Greek is actually helpful. It helps us. Kofanos, what is it? What is it? It's what the word means. That's what's important. It's, a, it's more of a, a small, if you will, lunch type basket. And in the first one, a Jewish crowd, you get 12 leftover baskets. That's one for each apostle. It's a personal basket for each apostle to remind them of what Jesus just did. Hey, he has compassion. He cares for your personal needs, and he's going to meet your need, and he'll give you not only what you need, he'll give you abundance. But it's especially a message to Israel. Twelve in the Bible, you've got to be careful with numbers in the Bible because some people take them and go crazy with them and say things that they don't really mean. But 12 is clearly representative of Israel, 12 patriarchs, 12 tribes, 12 apostles, New Jerusalem, foundation, 12, and all that, 12 speaks of Israel. We have a Jewish Messiah. He's come to the Jew first, but not only to the Jew, it's through the Jew, to the Jew and meant to be through the Jew. So you have the Jewish feeding. 12 leftovers, a message not only personally to each of the 12 apostles, but a message to the Jewish people. God loves you, cares for you, not only your, your physical needs. He has compassion for you, but he, he loves you enough that he sent his Messiah to die for you. But now you have a Gentile crowd. And the basket, it's a different basket. It's a different word. It's the word spurious or spurious. Totally different word and totally different basket. It's like the difference in our English of saying, uh, you forgot your lunchbox, but this one is not your lunchbox. This one, you forgot your hamper. And some of us, that's what we carry to lunch is a hamper. Some of us carry the lunchbox. Some of us carry the hamper. Isn't this fascinating though? The first one is, is one word and it's one basket. This one is a different word. It's a different basket. That's not an accident. First one is 12 left over. This one is seven. And of course, one of the things here, if you haven't caught it, is God loves the world, not just the Jew. He loves the Gentile and he cares for you. He has compassion for you. He wants to meet your need. And he has not only the capacity to meet your need, he has the capacity for overflow. And that's the kind of God we serve. He don't want to just get you where you're satisfied. He wants overflow. But don't misunderstand that. We, we don't hang, hang on to the whole message here. Seven Hampers. I'm convinced the size of the containers, especially in the second miraculous feeding, speaks prophetically of the great vast number of Gentiles that will be reached through the ministry of Jesus. Israel is a relatively small nation. And the people of Israel, a minority among the nations of the world. Gentile is anybody that's not Jewish. That's the rest of the world. There's a lot of people in Revelation 7 alone, speaking of a future time known as the great tribulation. In Revelation 7 and verse 9 
speaks of what's going to happen in that day. John says, after this, I look, verse 9, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language other than Jewish. Standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb, they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. These are Gentiles who get saved during the great tribulation, and it's a vast multitude. That doesn't even include all the Gentiles that have gotten saved since Christ's first coming. And it's not just a numerical difference in the hamper leftovers. It's because as a nation and as a whole, as a people in Jesus' first coming, he was rejected by his own people. And they have gone into spiritual blindness. Always has been a remnant, always will be a remnant, but it's a small minority of Jews that are called Messianic Jews. They believe Jesus is their Messiah. And in the great tribulation, what will happen is Israel will be purged. They will see their foolishness, their blindness. They will see Jesus really is our Messiah. And a whole nation is going to get saved in one day. The number seven is clearly in the Bible a number which refers to completion or fulfillment. Hang with me, pause with me, just, just so you can see this. Just listen. Six days of creation, God rested on the seventh. Israel marches around Jericho seven times, and then on the seventh day, seven priests blow seven trumpets. Revelation 2 and 3, there are seven letters to seven churches. There were a lot of other churches in those areas, but God chooses seven sovereignly. And messages to the church for the whole church age, if my opinion is right. And then after the church age, Revelation 4, John hears a trumpet that says, come up hither. That's the rapture, if I'm right on my conviction. And then the great tribulation begins where the wrath of God is poured out on the world in seven years, and we are not appointed to suffer wrath. That's clear from the scriptures. Amen. And then Revelation 5, you have a seven-sealed scroll. Revelation 8, from the seventh seal comes seven angels who stand before God, and they're given seven trumpets. Then Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, the seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever, because he's about to come back. Tribulation is almost over. Revelation 12, 3, red dragon, seven heads, seven horns. Revelation 15, 7, seven last plagues, which are the seven final bowls of God's wrath. So seven is clearly the number of completion and fulfillment. This is good teaching, not because I'm doing it, because this is the Bible. And so in the first miraculous feeding, you got a real message. It's Israel, and God loves Israel, and he sent a Jewish Messiah, and he, but he loves the whole world. And now you got a Gentile crowd. And seven hamper baskets left over. And seven refers to completion or fulfillment fascinating verse. You want to write it down. You want to write it down. Romans chapter 11. Let me read this one fascinating verse. Romans. Did I say Romans? Romans eleven twenty five. I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers, so that you may not become conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. 
And in that tribulation period, when the last Gentile destined to be saved is saved, Jesus breaks through the clouds, and we move into a thousand-year reign of Christ, and the world gets better and better and better, and then we move into an eternity that you can't even wrap your mind around. So great to be saved. Now, while that, I think, is really cool stuff, it's not the main message of Mark chapter 8 and the miraculous feeding. When you compare the the accounts, I don't know how you can do it in depth and not come with that teaching, and that's certainly cool prophetic teaching, but that's not the main message. What is? Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? Don't you remember? Do you still not understand? This is the fun part. This is the rebuke. You say, that's a strong word. Okay, call it an admonition, whatever you want to call it. Jesus expected them to be further along in their understanding. All you got to do is go read Matthew chapter 6. Don't worry about your life, what you wear, what you eat, what you, you know, all those things. Because your father knows before, he knows you have need of those. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added as well. In other words, you don't have to worry about all the physical needs. You don't have to be anxious about that. I mean, if you're foolish and lazy, then you learn, need to learn how to discipline your life and, and get a job and work hard. But I mean, if it's, just, if it's just something that God is like Deuteronomy 8, he tells the Israelites, I led you. I led you, causing you to hunger and thirst, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Who would not expect a six-month-old, when they're hungry, to, and what do you do? Well, if you're smart and if you're a good parent, when that child, when that child cries, a lot of times when that child cries is when they're hungry. And here's what you do. Here's what you do. Now, you need to get them on some kind of schedule, but I'm not going to get into that right now. But you take a bottle, you fill it with milk, and you put it in their mouth. And guess what? They stop crying. And here's what the Bible says. Crave pure spiritual milk so that you might grow up. We're going to need more than just a willingness. We're going to need the kind of humility that that says back to the Lord, yeah, I thought I had it and I didn't have it. I thought I saw it and I didn't see it. Oh, God, would you help me? And thank God, he doesn't just touch us one time and say, what do you see? Well, I see, man, it's kind of not very clear. And he doesn't say, well, that's it. If you didn't get it the first time, I'm that's it. This thing called the Christian life, it's progress. I I feel like now I'm just starting to get a little bit mature. It's amazing the end of Mark's gospel and Luke's gospel. Jesus rebuked the disciples for the refusal to believe those who had said they'd seen him. The two on the road to Emmaus, they didn't even recognize Jesus. Remember, he sat down with them, and when they began to have a meal, and he, he broke the bread, and then their eyes were open. Their eyes were open. They couldn't open their eyes. Their eyes had to be open. Then the very next section of Scripture in the Luke 24, it says Jesus appeared once again, walked through the wall, and appeared to them, and says, peace be unto you, and they're scared to death again. And he says, why are you so troubled? You should get used to me walking through walls by now. Why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise and rouse in your heart? And then, and then he says, everything I told you has happened. And he tells them, he says, everything I said, and prophetically, it's, it's happening. What are you doing? Don't you get it yet? That's what he's saying. And then it says this, 
And then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. So we need both. We need not only a willingness and a humility to say, oh God, I want to keep seeking and keep searching and keep knocking because I just feel like I'm not getting it. And maybe I thought I got it, but I didn't get it. And you know, and, and Lord, please help me open my eyes. That's why Ephesians is so important. That prayer that Paul said, I pray that your eyes, the eyes of your heart would be enlightened that you might know the hope to which he's called you. And I pray that you might have the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you might know him better. Because you want to grow and learn and gain in your spiritual understanding. Colossians 1.9, I believe it is. Another prayer. Same idea. And here's what he warns them against. In Matthew's account, he includes not only the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod, he says also watch out for the yeast of the Sadducees. And we could get into each one of those. I could give a message on each one, but we're looking at them from a bird's eye view. Because you're hungry and you need to go eat. And here's the bird's eye view. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees. Please note, he wouldn't warn even committed disciples about these yeast if they would not be susceptible to them. It's a foolish warning. So even committed disciples who aren't growing and learning and continuing to seek and be humble before the Lord. And the yeast of the Pharisees, Luke chapter 12, verse 1, Jesus says it's hypocrisy. That's what it is. On the outside, to men, you appear as righteous. But on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones. Or whatever it fits. You know, you're just not who you purport yourself to be and who people think you are. You come to church. He may even say, God bless you. You know, use the Christian lingo and you go away and there's, there's sin in your life and you know it's sin and you just, you're keeping it hidden. That's what hypocrites do. The original word was the idea of them putting wax on a, on a marred uh, statue or something to try to cover up the mar and it's covering over, covering over. That's what the word originally means. It was actually used in time of an actor or an actress who played a part. That's not really them, but they're, they're play acting. And that's what a hypocrite does. You put on a front, you put on a face, but it's not who you really are. Sadducees, they're very interesting. Watch out for the yeast of the Sadducees. Sadducees only accepted the first five books of Moses. They rejected the rest of Scripture. So in other words, they were the religious liberals. They said, well, we believe that in the Bible, but we don't believe that. We believe this. We don't believe in any kind of hell. Sadducees didn't believe in heaven or hell, which is crazy, isn't it? You think about it. They believed in the God of Israel. They didn't believe in heaven or hell. So if you study their life, it's no surprise, no surprise that their lives were just focused on the here and now. Religious people who believed in God but were caught up in the things of this life. That's the yeast of the Sadducees, in short. And then there's a the yeast of Herod, and that's really easy to understand. You know what the yeast of Herod is? Living like the world lives. I have another one. Toke it, smoke it, drop it, shake it. You know, just party, man. It's a rebel life. It's I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to have fun. Whatever it is, you just you're just living like the world. That's that's the yeast of Herod. And he tells these disciples, watch out, be on your guard. 
I put in my notes, question, how many people in the Bible failed in any of these areas of yeast? And I have a long list. And then I asked myself, how many people do I know that failed to heed the warning about the yeast that Jesus talks about here? And I put for my notes, I know people that I went to Christian college with that are so far from God today. Some are living outright pagan lives. Others are still very religious but have rejected certain parts of the Word of God and therefore have no foundation for truth in their lives or what they proclaim to believe. Then others have lived in the life, lived the life of a hypocrite. And in time, their hypocrisy for some of them has been unveiled, not only to their shame, but some to the detriment of those that they served. Because some were in ministry and pastors and leaders. Where are you? Paul writes one section in Philippians. He says, Let's, let us live up to what we have already attained. In other words, you, you know, live up to what you, level you should be and God would expect you to be. But in Hebrews chapter 5, there's a rebuke by that writer um, and the Holy Spirit uses that pen and he says, by this time, you ought to be teachers, but you need somebody to teach you. You need milk not solid food. In other words, by this time, you should be mature, but you still need a bottle stuck in your mouth. So I was going to say if the shoe fits, wear it, but if the shoe fits, take it off and look for another shoe. And I pray that this would become the time right now, right now, in these few moments. Look, come on. We're all, we're all needy. Nobody should be looking at somebody else with any kind of self-righteousness. If it weren't for Jesus... None of us got it. None of us have any hope, right? Me, all, none of us, none of us. I caution you, don't look with any kind of self-righteous eyes because we're all bankrupt without Jesus. But maybe some of us in response to God's word want to say, you know what? I made a commitment to Christ 10 years ago and I just really, I'm not where I should be. I mean, I should be much further along. And you want to make a commitment today. And you're going to, look, the training is a process. You know the things you need to do. Maybe you need to get involved in, in, in the activities of the church and stop just attending on a Sunday. Because if you're not involved somewhere, I guarantee you, you know, and you may be an exception. There are some people that are really growing because they're involved in other ways outside of the, the regular church activities. But most people over my 33 years of ministry, if you're not actively involved somewhere in ministry in a local church, you're probably not growing the way you should be growing. So you can make a commitment today. I, I, it's time for that to end. I'm going to stop. I've been wanting to do it for years, and today's the day. Today's the day. I'm making a commitment, and I am going to follow through. I'm intentionally going to do this and say, I'm going to even write some things down. Say, I need to do this. And Lord, if you'll help me and show me. And you can't do everything, but take some steps. For some of us, it'll be baby steps. But those baby steps will get you out of bottle feeding in time and get you on to some more mature material, and the things of God that are much more important. You'll grow. You got the message. You know what it is. And you just want to say, Lord, I repent, or Lord, I confess, or Lord, I'm sorry, or Lord, even though I feel like I, I'm as far as I can be, I don't want to stop here. I want to keep growing. Oh, Lord, would you give me a fresh touch and fresh understanding? And so for some of us, it's not a negative thing. It's not a, I need to repent. I need to get right with God. It's just, oh, God, I just don't want to ever stop growing. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Keep on searching. 
Thanks for joining us today to study the book of Mark on the Living Word. You can check out more of Pastor Danny's teachings throughout the Bible at our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. We encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel as well to stay up to date with the latest teachings and videos. Feel free to share them with your friends and family. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions or would simply like to talk with us, please send us an email. Our address is info at ccfstpete.church. Again, that email address is info at ccfstpete.church. Be sure to let us know how we can be praying for you when you send that email. In addition to that, we'd love to meet you in person. So if you're in the St. Petersburg area, join us for our weekly services at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We meet on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. We're also live streaming our services for those who are at home or live further away. We look forward to worshiping with you. Find out more on our website. Once more, that's ccfstpete.church. Well, that's all the time we have for today. There's more to learn in the book of Mark. Pastor Danny will continue looking into this important gospel book right here on The Living Word.